Hey, you're listening to the Sub Club Podcast, a show dedicated to the best practices for building and growing subscription app businesses. We'll share insider secrets from the top subscription apps on the app stores. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Sub Club Podcast. I'm your host, David Barnard, and with me as always, co-host Jacob Eiding. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> Today, our guest is Zach Shaked. Uh, while in college, Zach built Hashtag Expert, an app for finding top-performing hashtags. After growing it organically for a bit, he started doing paid acquisition and quickly scaled it to hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in revenue. You can see exactly how much Zach spent to grow Hashtag Expert to that level because he publishes an interactive dashboard with the past couple of years' income and expenses. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Zach is now writing an email newsletter on his process of building a new app business with the goal of earning $100,000 in profit within the first six months. Welcome to the show, Zach. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit more, and we'll get into that whole 100K in six months thing because that's so fascinating. But, but just real quick, just tell us a little bit more. Uh, so you started building apps like in high school, and then like what led to uh, uh, you're just one of those crazy... A way to phrase this question, why apps? Why apps? <laughs> Money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you for coming to the Sub Cup yeah. Podcast. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I started doing it in high school, like my senior year. I was kind of like bringing my laptop around, just like grinding, trying to build something that could like make a couple dollars. And um, yeah, I kind of just stuck through, stuck with it throughout college and just was building whatever I wanted. I think I started with like an insult generator. So it would literally <laughs> nice. just like generate insults and read them with the Siri voice. And then the first like actual successful app I built was Command, which was an Instagram analytics app. And I basically saw that there were all these Instagram apps uh, making tons of money, like Instagram analytics and ghost followers and that. So I decided to make my own version. And that was like the first one I made that actually started making money. Then I changed it to a subscription because I was like, wait, why don't like, instead of just charging people five bucks here, five bucks there, why don't I make it five a month or oh, 10 yeah. a month and then just accrue revenue. And then hashtag expert was actually one feature out of command that I decided to take out and turn it into its own app. And it ended up being like way more successful and popular. That's really interesting to take like a piece of a product and then stand it. Was there, was the functionality at parity between the two or, or was there something hashtag expert did better or was it just cause it was more targeted, easier to market or. So I was, I'd say like in V1, it was kind of, it was like very similar functionality in both apps, but it was, it was just the fact that I could now market an app all about, hashtags that was the mm. whole thing like just the fact that you get a whole new set of keywords and they can all be about hashtags and generating hashtags and whatever and that just allowed it to get way more organic traffic than it could have yeah i mean it's it's a much much more cleaner discovery path right uh versus command i, I don't know what people search they search uh, instagram analytics or whatever like uh might be less of some less like who knows the word analytics, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> like definitely, it's definitely like changed my, like how I think about branding an app. Like you totally, like if you make an app, it should be, have like one really good functionality. And then if you want to build another app that's, uh, or another piece of functionality that's like similar, but like not exactly uh, part of it, then separating it out into its own app can just be like 
another way to get way more users because you have a whole new um, set of organic traffic to get. Did you cross promote from command when you launched hashtag expert? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, a little bit. Just like a little banner at the bottom. It's another it's another good trick, right? When you and we did oh, yeah. that at one night at Mind Snacks that became Elevate. That was a way for us to like bootstrap our organics in the early days was to mine our previous app. Right. Send a big push at a banner. Yeah. It's not it's not a very long term channel, but it's a nice way to like bootstrap an, a, a a new product. Yeah. Well, I think so. What I did was is I put a banner at the bottom of I think I did it both ways. So hashtag expert promoted command and then command promoted hashtag expert. And I put like an iTunes tracking link. So I could literally go into like Instagram, into app store connect and see exactly how much revenue was generated from that link. And it was like Hmm. actually quite substantial after, you know, a year or two of having the banner. So definitely helped out a lot. I mean, this is a big growth thing, David, right? For these, a lot of these conglomerate companies that have, I mean, you do do this with some of your apps too, don't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to, if, if you have low performing ads, just go ahead and put your own or like if an ad doesn't load or just having a default ad and then putting inside settings, like here are my other apps. We even built an open source, a little thing that like in settings has like more apps and it's a little scroll view to show more apps. And, but yeah, I mean the big conglomerates, I mean, and, um, (laughs) companies like Apollon, you know, have it down to a science. Like they're, they're just pushing users from one. Cause I mean, part of the thing is, especially with subscription apps, like there, there's, and we've talked about this before, like the S curve of adoption of being willing to pay for subscription. If you get somebody on a subscription, mm. know that they're willing to pay. And so then you can push those to all your other subscription apps. Like it's, a, I mean, it's a smart strategy. So you just, you find, I mean, like companies like that are building out all the major use cases, like a weather app, a scanner app, a note-taking app. They build out yeah. all those like primary use cases that people are willing to pay for. And then you spend a ton of money on user acquisition, figure out who's willing to pay, and then push those to the rest of your apps as well. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty smart way to go about it. We're talking a lot about acquisition and, and marketing. And Zach, I think when I think of people building their own app companies. And I think you're one of the most savvy on acquisition that I know, or just like on marketing. And I'm kind of curious, like where you mentioned, like, that's how you think about that a lot now, but it was there some point in your like app building journey where you go from, Oh, I'm just making apps to like, Oh wow. Marketing and acquisition and and all that stuff is, is, is important. I, so it started with, it's very specific. I remember it was, I just started talking to Gennady, the founder of Memento and Vixer. Oh, get him on the list, David. We should talk to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, for sure. But uh, we, we were just, ch- we started chatting on Slack and he would just tell me like the tens of thousands of dollars he was spending per month on ads. And I just totally didn't get it. I was like, I don't, I don't understand like why. And then I learned about how, like if you could calculate LTV and you know that like I spend $1, then I could get back $2, then you're basically building a money printing machine. So and even if you're like at break, even, you know, if I pay $10 to get somebody and they spend $10 and I don't profit immediately the next year or the year after I can make money. And then that just allows you to, to build a substantial like revenue monster. So it's like, if you had a machine where you could literally put in $1, get back to how much money would you put in it? Like literally every <laughs> dollar you had. So that like, once that, like that, that clicked in my head, I started spending on ads a lot. And then it just got deeper and deeper and deeper. At, at what point did you start to think about 
actually changing your product around some of this stuff? Cause I know like, I mean, even just this, this transition from hashtag expert, like moving it out and like yeah. thinking about the go-to-market model, like at what point did you start being like, Oh, I, I should actually think about, you know, I should think about my product choices in terms of my go-to-market strategy. It, it was, it was really a, um, it really came down to it being difficult to, like the, the reporting aspect of Facebook ads just became very challenging, like seeing how much money I got back. So mm-hmm. that, like see, not knowing exactly how much money I was getting back on day one was like a big trigger for me, which made me say like, okay, how can I change my product so that most of the revenue I get today and not like in a week or in over the next six months. So mm-hmm. that like that framing forced me to say, okay, maybe we shouldn't offer a trial to, to people when they come from an ad so that, I know on day one, I got 70% of the money I spent back. And then I can know this ad is working, spend more money on that ad and broaden the ad budget. Tell me if I'm revealing the secrets of uh, <laughs> of, the, of your trade. I think you're pretty open about this stuff. Yeah. But that's one thing that uh, I think some some folks are doing and I think you're doing is just kind of discriminating what offers you show people depending on like how they discovered your app, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I think that the position I'm in as a bootstrap company is like at the end of the month, I have to pay my credit card bill. Like I don't have $5 million, whatever in the bank so that I can spend money. What about all your venture capital? You just, you, you can't spend that? <laughs> no. You don't have, oh. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it must be tough. <laughs> um, but yeah, so because I'm bootstrap, it's like I need, I need to get the money back as soon as possible because right. I have bills to pay. So that kind of puts you into a corner and forces me to do things like discriminating on price where it's like, if you come from a Facebook ad, you know, you get an option to pay 20 bucks a year, no trial. Yeah. But if you download the app organically, there's a free tier. I think people are maybe hush hush about it. I don't actually think it's that unusual. Like if I walk into a, uh, I don't know, a, a KOA campground, I get a discount if I'm a AAA member or whatever, right? There are like all yeah. these sort of hidden discounts and secret things that companies arrange for, for go to markets. I don't think it's that strange at all. And just online shopping in general. It's like, if you go to Casper because, and you heard about it on a podcast or you just Google Casper coupon code, you have a different experience coming into it pricing wise than somebody who just goes to casper.com. Like, yeah, there's tons of that going on. It's just not as, uh, it's just not talked about in that way. Like with- it's harder to do in apps too. Like with the, the, yeah. the deep linking problem, like you need some sort of attribution. Are you in, as I can use like um, adjuster, uh, a deep link system to, to do that. Basically I just use apps flyer. And then uh, uh, when the app launches, upload the entire attribution dictionary to a backend that then sees like, did you come from Facebook? Did you come from Snapchat, TikTok? And based on that serves you like a paywall object, I call it, which is just, json information about you know like what product you get offered how long until the cancel button comes up what the actual like visual paywall you're seeing looks like yeah so like i mean it's interesting i recently started doing ads on snapchat and tiktok and for whatever reason there like the the paywall i've been offering for facebook ads and instagram ads users wasn't doing well so Hmm. i tried changing it to instead of a 20 buck a year option a $2.99 $2.99 a week because maybe people are maybe like the younger crowd there is more likely to buy a $2.99 a week option, for example. So it really gives you a lot of freedom and then you can just tweak it from the back end whenever you want. 
And was it mostly going from those different channels? Is it more often you're playing with price or more often you're playing with positioning as far as like features and benefits or what's the like, or is there not a set rule? I would say like I, I've done it mostly on price, but positioning is definitely something I want to do. Like obviously if you're coming from TikTok ads, all of the stuff that I'm showing you to upsell you should be totally different because you don't care about getting more likes on your photo. Yours is, it's all about getting your, making your video go viral. So it's mm-hmm. a very different use case. But mm-hmm. with, with pricing, it's not just like the price of one product. There's also like a whole flow. So I created this concept called a flex paywall where like if you see the regular paywall for 10 to 15 seconds and you don't pay, then that to me as like the developer means like you're like kind of thinking about it. You're not sure what you want to do. You might leave the app. Then a button appears that says view more pricing options. Then that, that button will reveal a menu that has a trial, a, a weekly option, a monthly option so that, okay, 20 bucks a year, you're not going to bite, fine. You've, you've built the app equivalent of a high-pressure sales. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> All right, wait, 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 don't leave, don't leave. But let me bring out the free toaster. <laughs> let me throw that in there. Uh, <laughs> what have you found as far as like intent? Like do different ads kind of bring in users with different, like levels of intent versus, and especially organic, like it seems like organic users are coming in, having searched the app store for some kind of like hashtag or social tools or whatever. Mm -hmm. So do you see a a pretty strong difference in conversion between your, um, the, the different, even the specific ads that you run and then, and then between organics and, and then Facebook versus TikTok versus uh, Snapchat? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the the conversion rates are like so different between organic and paid and just the revenue I make per user is very different. But yeah, I would say that like for paid users, there's, they're like more likely to subscribe than an organic user just because like they get really excited about this app. They download it. They take like that big step of like clicking the ad, downloading it, setting up their account. Then when you say, okay, you have to subscribe to continue. They're like, after all of that, you know, sunk costs, fine. Okay, I'll subscribe. Whereas with an organic user, maybe they're just like kicking the tires a little bit more or, you know, they just want to try out the free features or something like that. So, I mean, the conversion rates across the different channels are very different, but also at the same time, organic users have a free tier of the app, whereas the right. paid users don't. So that, because of that, like just inherently, the conversion rate is, is lower because it's not as forceful. Have, um, have you ever gotten pushback from Apple on, I mean, I know the answer to this question, so, but <laughs> what, what kind of pushback have you gotten from Apple as far as like some of these techniques? Cause I imagine they don't see a lot of them, right? When you get the review. So I actually haven't gotten any pushback about the techniques. Uh-huh. Um, I think like you're perfectly okay to offer different subscription groups and different pricings and discriminate in that scenario. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason it just like seems, it's, it seems like to me, like something I would be like, yeah, I could see them being a pain about it, right? <laughs> yeah, well, the, so, just because it's good, just because it's mean, like, oh, I, this is something that makes my life easier. Surely Apple won't just let me do it. Yeah, right? Right. Apple at WWC has been pushing the promotional offers and the retention strategies and stuff like that. Yeah, but their whole thing with promotional offers is like, they they're super inflexible for that. It's so weird. I, yeah. I we could do a whole podcast on why promotional <laughs> offers were like the myth of the century, but. Um, but they're, 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 they're all about that for that, like recapture, which just like, isn't a huge channel. Like it's just right. not a huge channel. 
the bigger channel is what Zach's doing. These like first subscription, that like conversion moment, optimizing that. And Apple is pretty like you have to create these multiple subscription groups, which they aren't like super cool with always. And you can't like modulate the intro offer or pricing or anything like that on, on individual products very easily. Yeah. I, I think one of, one of the issues is like Apple never, like they don't see all of this just because I'm pretty sure that in the, in the test environment, they're marked as organic, I think. So, so they like just see the organic paywall, which is very normal, but, um, I don't, I'm not even sure how I could build like something just for app review to see every single different iteration of my paywall. Like how could they expect the developer? I mean, it just highlights the ridiculousness of, of app review in general, right? Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) uh, Anybody who's like sufficiently savvy, they just have to trust you that you're not going to be evil. Right. Cause you you can very easily do bad stuff and, and and sneak it by no problem. I I think in some form they've seen like they, there's definitely been situations where like I tried the, the, what I was showing to Facebook users to organic users and they saw it. But like the only issues I've had have been like the standard ones of like, you have to make the pricing clear. You have to, dis- you have to show the full price. Actually, once in, in the paywalls, I was showing just the weekly price and I said, build annually. So it was like $2.99 a week, build annually. And then after the app had been approved, they flagged me and said, you have 14 days to fix this. And if you don't, we're going to remove your app. Because like wow. you have to show the full. Hope you're not on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's the only problem I've had, and ever since then I'm like always oh, show the annual price, like no matter what. Wow, knock on wood. I think I think I think you might be uh you might be doing pretty good on that. I I, I just maybe it's maybe it's also my our like position that we just see like everybody's like we see the complaints and rejections yeah constantly yeah. right, right. <laughs> yeah. I, to follow up on that thread, are you also customizing onboarding? Like something I've been thinking a ton about is like, and you know, we've talked about before, like Calm's paywall. Oh, they must have A-B tested that like crazy. So that's like the ultimate paywall or like, you know, you as a, as a developer, you're looking for examples. And so you see something like Calm, you're like, oh, that must be like really effective. But the thing you miss looking at Calm's paywall is that like 50% of the people who get to that paywall are tapping on like Matthew McConaughey reads me to sleep or like LeBron James's like pre-workout meditation. And so like what leads to the paywall is, is oftentimes, you know, 10 times more important than the like design of the paywall and other things. So are, have you done much to like customize that, that process and experiment with your, your onboarding in different ways? I, I haven't, but I, I totally agree with you. And I think that is like the next frontier. Like the thing that I want to start working on is like, what I was saying before, if you come from TikTok, you see one thing. If you come from a Snapchat ad, you see something else. Because like, it's 100% true that there are dozens of different use cases for every app. And if you're at scale advertising and you hit a ceiling and you're trying to unlock additional channels for revenue, then that is like naturally the next point. It's like, okay, if we're trying to spend 50K a month on Snapchat ads, we need to figure out like, how do we make Snapchat, ad- Snapchat ads work? How do we make ads from this network work. And each of them has to be considered like as its own, I think. Yeah. There's a totality of the experience, right? Like we, we saw this at, at, at Elev- we weren't doing like super multi-channel optimization or anything like this, but, but just being very tactful about where we had the paywall moving. I mean, I think you're, Yours is pretty aggressive in that you do it very early in the process, but you don't want to do it like the first thing the app opens, right? Like you have to like lead in with something, right? You got to like, I, I don't know, like to be, to be honest, like one of the most shocking experiments I ever did, and this was Jake's idea 
which was like other Jake, other Jake, previous guest Jake, not me. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't yeah. know what you're about to say, but I don't want to take credit for it. <laughs> it was like, like I had this screen where you could choose your plan. So like you, you would be able to browse all the pro features, and then after you browse them, you could say continue, and then it would show you like a screen where you could pick your plan, like either annual or monthly. So he's like, why don't you just show that that screen where you pick your annual or monthly plan to people right when they download the app and skip the features? So like you download the app, you like enter your interests for like what hashtags you're interested in, what like what categories, and then it just says pick your plan. And that paywall like outperformed everything I'd been doing previously by like a huge margin. Wow. Was it higher in conversion rate or just higher in like net conversions because of the lower bounce because it was earlier in the process? I think both. Like it, it was like yeah. it doesn't surprise me. It was literally like it just something about making it the the product be like something about showing the product as like, hey, this this costs money. This isn't a yeah. free product. Yeah. That changes how people view it. It's like, oh, okay, I have to pay for this. I mean, that's the secret of luxury products in general, right? It's just like, I mean, how much nicer is an Audi than a Volkswagen? It's like a little bit nicer, but like a lot of it's just the whole branding and the whole like, you know, yeah. like convincing you that, hey, like it's a status thing a little bit. It's harder for apps to be about status, but it's also just like a, you know, this is a premium experience. This right? is a premium product. You got to pay to play. Yeah. When when you did that and experimented with with moving it up like that, did you experiment with price at all? Like, did you see much um, headroom on being able to increase the price or having to decrease the price to get those early conversions in? Yeah. So I actually ended up decreasing the price because what 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 I noticed was that I could offer a higher price, forty eight a year versus like twenty a year, and people would pay it. I'd make roughly the same amount of money, but way less people get to use the product. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll cut it down to 20 a year. Now way more people get to use it and people are happier. They think it's cheaper. So it's, it's a win-win hmm. and I'm still yeah. getting basically just as much revenue. It's kind of interesting. If you have a very, um, you know, elastic demand curve, a lot of times you'll end up in that situation where price, the total earnings tends to be fairly similar, right? Maybe that's an inelastic demand curve, whatever it means. Uh, is yeah. That, yeah. Like you end up taking home, like the market has a pretty good, like your apps tend to tend to do a pretty good job of like just discovering the propensity of spend for the users that they're coming in. Right. I see this a lot of times with like, um, people who experiment with monthly and annual, like it, do an annual plan versus a monthly. It turns out that like the renewal rates and sometimes a lot of times, like it's surprisingly interesting how they'll equalize, like the, the amount of money somebody's willing to spend. Yeah, completely. That's that's what I've noticed. Actually, like before this, I was looking at like the revenue cap dashboard to see how much revenue was coming from weekly, monthly, yearly. And like over the past couple of months, I've tried being more forceful with like weekly or more forceful with monthly or just like adding it as an option. And it's literally like revenue from this one just transfers to here and revenue from, <laughs> from weekly transfers yeah. to monthly. And it's just you get the same amount no matter what. Yeah, you're sampling from the same underlying distribution of people, right? So like there's 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 some like underlying thing. Packaging can only get you so far. Where I see it sometimes is people when they're just like grossly under or overpriced um, or like just have some really bad packaging. Fixing that often will have a big impact. But once you get it like fairly tuned in, then a lot of times, you know, you're not going to super yeah. optimize, right? Exactly, exactly. And speaking of that, I actually did want to talk about um, weekly subscriptions. So like, I'm like in the kind of snooty indie developer community, it's kind of like, ah, weekly subscriptions. But um, but like, how do you like, how do you see them uh, in your product? And then like, what are the, what are the, how have they been effective? And like, what ways have you found them to be effective 
weekly products are like the easiest way to get access, the easiest and cheapest way to get access to the product, right? I pay three bucks today and I get to use all the premium features. And then some people will like subscribe on weekly for some number of weeks and then switch to an annual plan, or they might forget about a weekly plan, which does happen from time to time. But I just see it as being more flexible as like a way to give, give the user more options. And very rarely am I just offering a weekly plan. But even with that, I mean, I, I have no problem doing it because like I'm very generous with refunds. Like they're in the app, you can like get explicit instructions for how to go to get a refund. And if you're having trouble getting one from Apple, I'll PayPal you. And we're starting to do that a good amount. And like very rarely do I get somebody who reaches out to me and is like, hey, I subscribed weekly a year ago and I paid you $200 that I did not mean to. Can you refund? Right. Like that has never happened. Not a single time. Wow. Really? Yeah. So I, I think that, and I was just like going through the weekly subscri- subscribers in Revenue Cat and seeing that, like when the last time they used the app was. And a lot of them, it's like they pay weekly and they use it like every two or three weeks or something like that. And for that reason, I have no problem with it. I do think like the, the 20 bucks a week, the, nine, the 15 bucks, like there, you're clearly trying to rip people off and like prey on them for getting. But like yeah. in terms of the percentage of my revenue, that's from those people who have been subscribed for like six months or more on weekly and forgotten, forgotten about it. I think it's like a very small percentage. It makes a lot of sense. And like, I, I, I was talking to somebody in the industry, I won't name the company they work for, but they're talking about how, um, how some people like actually get paid weekly and do prefer. And so if you, if you have a cheaper weekly subscription versus like, paying up front at the 40, 60, 80 bucks, that it can be a preference for some people to have. And like you said, I mean, the ones that are like 10 or 20 bucks a month, that's like hundreds of dollars a year. Like that's pretty scammy, but a buck or two a week is like for, especially for something people are actually using, like it's that, it's that kind of easy intro. It's like, you know, why, why do you pay five bucks a month versus 50 bucks a year? Well, sometimes it's just easier to pay that five bucks a month. Yeah, I th- this feels like this was a bigger topic of debate like a year ago um, and the yeah. weekly subscription because there were some people pushing like don't even ha- offer them. Um, but like, I think it's one of these things where I would love to know how Apple thinks about this stuff when it comes in. Like, do they give app reviewers any guidance on when to look more closely? Like if a, a weekly subscription is more than 10 or more than 20 or more than X dollars, like, do they say, okay, like it's still allowed, but double check this app, like make sure that they're, cause that, that would seem to me like that should flag, like, Hey, these guys might be running like an arbitrage, like get users, <laughs> get them hooked and then, you know, whatever kind of scam, which which does happen, right? Um, or they'll switch their paywall or like say it's a free trial or whatever, right? Three, the three-day, yeah, I feel like the three-day trial into the weekly subscription should, should, should garner a little extra scrutiny, but it shouldn't, necessarily, it shouldn't ever be like disallowed categorically, right? I mean, there, yeah, that, and that's the interesting thing too, is like there are apps where like you get a lot of the value in the first week or two. And so as a developer, it's like, how do you capture that? So like with my app launched in a pro, I actually just removed the free trial because we're really pushing this icon creation aspect of the app. Well, if you're going to customize your home screen, you can do that in an hour. And so mm-hmm. if, we, if we do a seven-day free trial and you're downloading the app to customize your, free, your home screen, you do that in an hour, you cancel your free trial, you've gotten all the value of the app without paying anything. Well, right, right now, we're only offering the $20 a year subscription 
And so, I mean, I've even been thinking like, well, is this a, an opportunity to actually do like three bucks a week? Yeah. Somebody can subscribe for a week, customize to their heart's desire. They only pay the three bucks, they cancel and move on versus like, it's like you were saying, it's like just meeting people where they're at and, and giving them more options to pay, I think is, is compelling. And like, I was looking at a math tutor app and they were actually like you were saying, Jacob, they were charging like 10 or 20 bucks a week, but it was one of those kind of apps. And, and maybe, I don't know, I didn't pay, I didn't look at it, but like, if you're, if you're tutoring your kid on math and you need to get them over the hump on algebra or something, and so you pay 10 bucks for a week, you study really hard that week, and then you cancel your subscription. Like you've gotten way more than $10 of value out of that. Right. And some of them are just that kind of short-term value experience right. versus the long-term value experience. So it's kind of a weird thing now with, with like how to balance those things. Yeah. I think it's definitely like become a little bit more acceptable in the past year. Like Jacob was saying, like it's it definitely, there was a ton of chatter about it being like out of the question to offer it. But I can just tell you from my experience, when I offer weekly, monthly, and yearly options, the weekly is way more popular than the monthly. Yeah. It's just cheaper. It's, I mean, it's cheaper. It's like higher resolution. I think, um, yeah, I think David and I kind of agree on this. And it's that like people tend to be a little patronizing of consumers, right? <laughs> people tend to be like, oh, they're just, they, you know, the simple phone user can't. I don't know if you saw with the widget smith stuff, like people are pretty savvy actually with their phones, yeah. right? Like people know how to work their phones. Yeah. Like we shouldn't, you know, like especially people who are even waiting into paying for apps, which I still think the vast I don't know. I would love to this is something that the CEO of Revenue Cat probably should know, but like what the percentage <laughs> of like iPhone users are actually engaging in in-app purchases, let alone in-app right. subscriptions, right? Um, but I would I would wager to say we're still on the early side of that adoption curve, right? So yeah, totally. the people doing them tend to be probably fairly savvy, right? Um, and we saw that in our analysis last fall too, right? It's like when we were looking at the the cancellation rates and then you know Apple added the prompt that if you delete an app, it asks, do you want to manage your subscription or keep it? And, you know, we saw apps in our platform that had like single digit retention rates from their free trials. So it's like people know, like you were saying, like 90% of those users figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, there's always going to be that 10%, right? And that's, that's, you know, it's sort of some of the baked in upside of subscriptions. Like we can be honest about it, but it's actually not the narrative that like, subscriptions in general are like a way to trick users into paying more money is, is I think more and more not becoming the case and like the data, the data bears that out. I I would definitely agree with that. I think like very few people are making their first in-app purchase today. I think it's, we're, we're getting, reaching some level of maturity where people understand, okay, I can go to settings and manage my subscription. I can contact Apple to get a refund if I need to. And this app is trying to trick me. Very, yeah. very few people are like in that minority that don't understand right. that. So are you tracking your um, yeah, retention cohorts uh, between weekly, monthly, and annual, and then looking at like the weekly cancellation versus weekly transitioning to the annual plan? Like, is it like 10% of the people who are, who are canceling their weekly plan are actually transitioning to a monthly or annual plan? Or is it, is it higher than that? I actually don't know that figure i'd probably have to run like a really complex database query to get that i was just wondering if you like had it set up in your dashboard because that that would be kind of an interesting thing i want to like the deeper i get into this the more i realize like i want more like i need more data i need to be able to (laughs) get all these crazy metrics but like i am seeing 
like the average lifetime on like a weekly subscription is like eight renewal periods. So like about eight weeks and then, you know, monthly is like somewhere around like four to five months. So like people who are subscribed weekly are staying for like a decent amount of time. And like, if you do eight times, eight weeks times three bucks a week, that's, I mean, that's like that 20 buck a year price that I'm getting from a lot of users. Yeah. The other way, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's comparable. Yeah. That's what you were saying earlier, Jacob, like everything trends to the same. Users are fairly logical, right. When they, when they evaluate price and benefit and stuff like they, they have, they have a amount they're willing to spend and they can kind of calculate it either consciously or subconsciously. It's it's genuinely frustrating because like (laughs) you, like I did all this testing hoping to unlock like a little bit more value. And then the conclusion is like, it doesn't matter. Or like, I don't know. Like I'm more confused now than when I started. <laughs> uh, so I want to, I want to talk about um, your hundred K app challenge. Cause I think, I think uh, a lot of kind of the themes that we're talking about and, and the way I've, I've watched you work over the last couple of years, it's kind of been building up to a lot of the themes with this. So can you, can you tell us a little bit about what your hundred K, I don't know what you're, what you're officially calling it, but I have it in my notes. Yeah. It's the hundred K app challenge. No, that's, that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of like getting bored working on like the existing apps and I wanted to build something new. And I never saw like somebody being like super ultra transparent about how they're doing things, like literally documenting exactly how they named their app and exactly how they think about an app idea. It's, there's a lot of high level advice out there, but not a ton of like micro, super focused, super transparent advice. Um, and I like writing. So I decided like, Let's, let's see if I can make an app that from scratch that generates $100,000 in profit in six months. And I'm writing everything I do, trying to make dashboards that show all the data for the app, the spending for the company, and, and seeing if I can do it. And that's, that's one thing I've always like, debated with my mom about. Like, I've actually had these conversations with her where like, listen, if, if hashtag expert tomorrow start, like, was making $0 and just got kicked off the app store, I think I could build another app that made money. So let's, let's see what happens. And hopefully people learn a lot along the way. <laughs> Never underestimate the uh, motivations of having a chip on your shoulder from your parents. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something deeply psychological. We could probably go into a whole nother yeah. podcast about that. But uh, so, so yeah, t- tell us a little bit about, yeah, the project and like what, you know, I think the, the, and we'll, we'll, we'll share this in the show notes. Cause I think it's, it's the, the primary source material that you've written is like certainly worth reading, but can you give us like the quick up to date, like the story so far? Sure. Yeah. So I, I started by like, the first thing I wanted to do was figure out like, what space do I want to work on? What problem do I want to solve? Uh, and like one of the mistakes I'd made a ton of times when I was building apps in the beginning was just building something I thought of because I thought it was cool and then hoping to make money from it. And then I eventually got lucky with the Instagram analytics app where I thought that was cool. And it also happened to be a good market. So I started making money. And now having, having that hindsight knowledge, I decided like, okay, let me sit back, research some app store keywords, research some markets, like what apps are making a ton of money where I think I have like a unique advantage and, uh, you know, I could build something that delivers value. And that took me to like a meal planning app that helps with weight loss. And so like I stumbled upon that idea. I'm like, okay, there's a ton of weight loss apps that are like printing money that haven't been updated in forever like Weight Watchers is making tons of money and Weight Watchers has been around forever. Uh, My Fitness Pal is like making $7 million a month and hasn't had like a material update in literally years. 
fitness is just an evergreen category, right? Like it's something that people are always, there's so much value in having yeah. people be in better shape. People value fitness so highly that like, they're always going to be some propensity to spend. There. Yeah. There's fitness and like weight loss. Well, like also weight loss, like factors into like a macro economic thing that's happening where it's like everybody in America is becoming overweight. So like the, the demand for a weight loss app is only going to go up over like the next couple of years. So that's how I landed on that space. But I think the thing I did that was interesting that no, that few other people did was like, the second I had an idea, I'm like, okay, how can I test this without writing any code? So I made a post on Reddit where it was like, hey, would any of you be interested in a bunch of recipes that help you lose weight that you could make really quickly? Something like that. And the post like did tremendous and like did amazing. And that just told me that like people were interested in this, this like micro space of like meal planning to lose weight. So like, not just like, what should I eat? You know, here's the calories, count them. It's like, here are specific meals and the recipes, plan them on your Sunday, cook all of them, buy them. And that'll be your, your mechanism for, for losing weight. So I tested that with like a Reddit post and it did really well. So that told me- Did you, like, did you expect at all that that post would, I mean, it was a, like a, I don't know what a typical top post on that sub is, but it was like thousands of votes, right? It was- Yeah, it literally, it literally got like 1200 upvotes. I believe Revenue Cat's launch post got 39 upvotes. So just to yeah. like put things in perspective here. Yeah. So demand is off the charts. So at that point, I'm like, okay. Like I asked people if they'd be interested in a post about how to meal plan to lose weight. So then I made the actual post. It didn't do as well, but like I posted it on like a weight loss subreddit and a meal planning subreddit and a food subreddit and a recipe one. And like in all of those, it did pretty good. And a reporter ended up reaching out to me. and was like, hey, I think this is awesome. Can I write a story about it? So she wrote a story about it on Lifehacker. So that to me, and I hadn't written a single line of code yet. So I'm like, okay, this idea like has some legs. Like, let me, let me start. I mean, that's a, that's a really just savvy thing. I mean, outside of app businesses in general, right. It's like validate, just get some validation, some heat. Like when I was thinking about starting revenue cat, like I didn't, obviously I didn't start writing code. I started pinging people and emailing people and being like, Hey, would you use something like this? (laughs) Right. Like I asked it more directly. Right. Um, but, but, and then, and then the thing is, I think also what people get tripped up is like, don't, you don't have to wait for empirical proof, right? I think your proof is pretty empirical. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> but yeah, but like, you just want to feel like something that's like, okay, like there's a little bit of pull here. Like this is exciting to some people, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, with Revenue Cat, I'm sure you got like great feedback where people were like, yeah, I hate dealing with subscriptions. It's a major pain. Yeah. It was ask. like nine out yeah. of nine people I reached out to were like, oh my God, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> combine but that was also combined with my personal experience right which is like right. validating which i think also in this case is something that you've experienced doing these meal prep plans and stuff so right. it's something you're just like validating your initial kind of assumptions i think sometimes entrepreneurs can get caught up in themselves and like believe some demand exists for something because they care about it right mm-hmm. but they you really have to take that extra step to be like, okay, are there 10 other people I can easily find that also care? Yeah. You're just saving yourself time. Like I've seen so many people, like I was actually hired to like build apps for other people, which I'm sure like a ton of developers have done. And these people just come to you. They're like, I have this idea. I want to build this social network for photo sharing, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, I want to build Instagram for, for food and I build it. And then they launch it and like nothing happened. So it's just, you're saving yourself time and energy. It's just like, hey. And, and money. And money. <laughs> money. Code is super expensive. I was thinking about that today. Uh, like code, just any code is very expensive. Like, yeah, like <laughs> the, the average price of like one block of code is just. 
Right. And if it does the right thing and it's reusable and it's functional, it can actually produce value. Super expensive. Right. And so even at Ramanica, we have like 10 engineers or something and we still are constantly like, okay, how can we not write any code for this? Right. (laughs) Because it's just, you know, unless it's something that's really, really needs it and is really, really, you need to be able to, you know, create reproducible value. Like, make it something that yeah. you can, you know, hack with, with spreadsheets or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So where are you at in the process then? Like, where are you, um, like, is, have you started writing code now? And when, when are you going to launch? Cause you're what, three, three months into it. Yeah. So, um, so I started July. So July, oh shit, three months in. <laughs> I'm running so out now of it's time. the hundred K in three months challenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like I, I'm at like a point right now where I'm just like building the back end, but I've just been like, so freaking busy day to day running like hashtag expert. Like I'm, I just added a product manager and I'm hiring another engineer and trying to grow that. And at the time I was like, not, I was not working on my main apps at all. So I, I had a lot of, a lot more free time, but I'm still like trying to like schedule on my calendar four hours here, four hours there, just like start working on meal farm and writing about it. And I think just the collective pressure of knowing people are like waiting for you to do this definitely adds. I'm, I'm on this. I don't know actually if I'm on the sub stack or not, but I, I'll add myself. Get right on the list, man. What the hell? <laughs> I'm on, it's been great. But yeah. So, so the status of it right now is I, I built a dashboard for like inputting recipes into a database, which sounds really easy, but like having a database of where you can like on demand, calculate the nutrition of a recipe and like substitute ingredients and know the updated nutrition is like kind of complicated. So that like yeah. took me a while to figure out. And then I had like this VA put in like 40 recipes so I could just play around with the algorithm that serves you recipes. So That's I, awesome. like, I don't think the actual building of the app is going to take long. It's more just like figuring out what is the flow of the app um, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. Stuff you can prototype, honestly, like, you know, with a script or with, uh, with, um, I don't know, spreadsheets and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, often that, that, helps a lot. I mean, we, when I'm working on features at revenue cat still we'll put paper prototype or spreadsheet prototype or do anything I can to like using real data or whatever, create a, a simulation of the experience before we actually even move into product development. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. So, so still targeting. So one question I want to ask in the beginning is like, you said hundred K in profit. How do you define profit? I mean, like after ad spend, after the cost of personnel, after the cost of SaaS. Do you count yourself in cost of personnel? No. Okay. I'm, I'm like, my goal, so like I, I infuse like 5K of cash into this company. My goal is to like have a bank account balance of like 100,000 or like have a payment that will make my bank account balance over 100,000 by like the date. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I, I think it's fair. That's why I asked, how do you? Right? Pre-tax, I, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're like only off by the difference in tax, I think you still, uh, I think you can still count it as a win. Cause I don't yeah. think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, what I've found is like, people are less invested in like the actual getting to a hundred K it's more just like, how are you building an app that makes money? That's what people are interested in. So I think right. if it goes over a couple months, if it takes me a little bit longer, it's really okay. No. You'll fail. It, it is a failure. I'll call Public your mom failure. And, and we will, <laughs> no. we will talk about where she went wrong and, 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 and how you couldn't produce an app in six months. I made a hundred K. No, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. I think your approach to how you're doing this is really interesting. I think the, I think the, it's a really good example and public model of, I think responsible business building, right? Or not any responsible, like social responsible, whatever, but like, you're, you're going about it the right way that's going to narrow your scope as you go, as opposed to just like calling a shot 
swinging and then like you spend yeah. six months and then just like falls flat on its face. Right. Which I think is a lesson. A lot of, I mean, you probably learned that the hard way working with other people, but I think a lot of people learn that the hard way launching a few things without like proper validation. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah. I think exciting to, excited to see how it, how it pans out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thanks for that. I appreciate it. With that, we should probably should wrap up. We're hitting on the top of the hour, but man, it was great having you on the show, Zach. And uh, we'll we'll put links in the show notes. Um, but where where can people find you? You uh, post on Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter uh, at Zach Shaked, and yeah, that's where I'm. I'm I tweet occasionally, and then the Substack is where I'm doing like the bulk of my writing. So nice. Uh, David will link to that, but it's called Shit I'm Thinking About. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I just wanted to keep things casual because like the whole reason I started is because like I just want to, you know, I'm self, I work for myself. I want to just be able to say whatever I want. Like sometimes I'm going to write about this challenge. Sometimes I'm going to write about other stuff. I'm just going to write about whatever the heck I care about. And that's it. It's casual. It's low key, you know? Nice. Love it. I've been following. It's great. So, all right. Thanks, Zach. Yeah. Thanks for having me. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show and your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.